Hey, it's Nick. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. It's been over four years since I started doing the radio show in its current format, generally with one person as a guest, uh, interview for two hours, which I thought was insane, but it turns out it goes by so quickly. Since we're not doing live episodes, I wanted to kind of highlight the format. So I put together an hour version of To a Certain Degree with five, sort of six, you'll see, special guests. That's Chris Crespo, Samantha Shoemaker, Dave Krepko, Richard M. Smith, and Bree Sosa. I won't give away what pieces and parts each one is doing, but they're all amazing people, and I think this turned out really well. Let me know if you think it did. Let me know if you didn't think it did. But let me know if you think it did. Yeah, do that. And have fun. Listen to this. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Hello, you are listening to A Certain Degree. I'm your host, Nick Jurgadiu. This is a special episode from our summer programming series on WPRK 91.5 FM. Since live programming is on hold until fall, I thought it would be a good idea to reintroduce the To A Certain Degree format to you, the listener. That, that's your role here. There are five segments I usually try to get to with every interview. A game at the beginning to get to know the guest, asking people about their creative process, probing their business know-how with bad business ideas, the answer to the question, what was your plan coming out of high school, and a pop quiz to make people really anxious. That's why it's at the end. The guests for this episode in order of appearance are Chris Crespo, Samantha Shoemaker, Dave Krepko, Richard M. Smith, and Bree Sosa. Chris Crespo is up first, As with most guests on the show, I had met him in person about 30 minutes before we went live on the air. So I feel like I know you, but I don't know you personally. Fair enough, yep. So we're going to learn a little bit more about you. Sounds good. We're going to play a game. Okay. So it's a little bit of a 20 questions, yes or no, up or down. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, though, Mm -hmm. what you're going to say is read them or weep. So read them if you're for something. Okay. Weep if you're like, "Eh, it's not really my thing. Okay. Read them because reading is great. Yes, from what I understand, I love it. It's fundamental. It is. It's a a rainbow. I'm a big, big fan. It is a a rainbow. It's a rainbow. Yeah. Uh, Weeping is not good for you. Man, it could be good for you. Sometimes you need it, but I understand in this context, absolutely. Yes. Right. Jesus himself wept. So that's my understanding. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I mean, who else would you rather emulate? Um. All right. Now that you say it that way, I'm really second guess. Well, let's just keep going. Ah, no, we're gonna do it. No. Read them or weep. Read, read them or weep. read them or weep them. Okay. Okay. Uh, back to school. So uh, still sort of in that vein. What did you feel like when you were coming back from the summer? Weeping. You were weeping. Yeah, absolutely. You did not want to go back to school. Not a not a school fan. I'm <laughs> I'm fine with education and reading and learning, but school itself as an institution was never never a big fan of it. Absolutely not your thing. No. So fall wasn't a time of year that you looked forward oh, to. God no no, no 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 no. All right, let me ask you about this then. Driverless cars. Read them or we read them. I'm all yeah. all about them. Would you just jump in one right now? I already did. You so did? Essentially, yeah. Uh, my my boy Tom, Tom the beer guy from OBP, he's got himself a Tesla. Okay. Took a ride in that. We jumped on Conway, and then he put it on auto, and for like 15 minutes, we were driving around one of the busiest parts of town during rush hour. Uh, uh, and it just and, did its own thing. It did its thing. It was amazing. How did you, yeah, what was the... Um, the first instant, you're like, well, this is weird, because your hands aren't on the wheel, and we're yeah. going 45 miles an hour, like, in thick traffic. And then once you get that first red light, it's like, oh, here we go. But then it, 
it stops in plenty of time and it, it slows down. And you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. Yeah, it was really interesting. So being a movie guy, uh, uh, can I say that? Yeah. Are you a movie guy? I am a certified movie guy. It would be really neat if you just really hated movies. Yeah, that would be you funny. Know, like, I, I've done 300 plus episodes <laughs> of a cinema-related yeah. uh, podcast. Hate them. Hate them. Can't stand them. Don't even watch them. Stopped watching no, them years I, ago. I, I keep I watch them for a while thinking maybe I'll come around. Maybe I'll try to get it. What I do for my spoiler episodes, <laughs> I read the Wikipedia entries, and then I'll just recap that and then tell people that I watched it. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, nice. those things get really detailed sometimes. Smart, and they're yeah. always accurate. 100%. No one's ever complained once about inaccuracy on my show. Wikipedia <laughs> accuracy. <laughs> no, what I was going to ask about is we typically get these movies that have technology as something that's evil, right? It's sure. almost always sure, yeah. if there's an AI or something along those lines. Like a minority report type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Um, so did you go into it kind of thinking that? Like, what if the AI eventually takes over and tries to kill us or I, anything? I am afraid of the eventual AI apocalypse. Like, that could get here before the, the Yellowstone uh, volcano goes off Super and kills us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, one of these things is going to kill us. So AI, it's got pretty good chances, I think. But driverless cars, super volcano or robots? Robots would be more cinematic. Super volcano, though, I would have to go robots. I would rather quick death with robots or be enslaved. Volcano is going to result in like famine and pestilence, and it's like we only have a we have less than a three month worldwide food supply. So there's a lot of starving to death, and it's going to be really gnarly. Plus, uh, I'd rather I mean, I'd rather be I've enslaved. I've got allergies. Now, you're gonna run out of Zantac so fast. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, Zyrtec, one of those. Zyrtec, Zantac, they're all the same. Z- Ziltac, <laughs> that's that's a different one. That's the one I'm working on. Yeah, proprietary blend. Coffee. Oh, read them. Read it. Read it, baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you always been a coffee guy? Yes, I have. Uh, I am a Puerto Rican gentleman, so I believe my first cup of coffee was at the age of five years old, um, <laughs> which is a little late for Puerto Ricans because some babies get the, that coffee in the bottle, you know, uh, because why this not? This baby's got to wake up. This baby this- is... <laughs> <laughs> we need this baby awake and alert now. Uh, so, no, I'm it's, all about it's picture coffee. time. Yeah, it is. Get <laughs> smiling. Get running around. Uh, I'm all about coffee. Even work at Starbucks when I was in college. So, yeah, I'm all about it. Very nice. How do you feel about this? is This is one that comes up okay. quite a bit and uh, very mixed sort of reaction. Okay. The beach, read them or weep. Yeah, mixed reaction. Understand? I'm gonna go ahead and see. I'm, I have a mixed reaction myself. Light read it. Light read them. Okay. Yeah, it's summer reading. <laughs> so, just summer. Summer reading. I love beach towns. The, okay. that, the vibe of a beach town, that lazy. Super laid back. Yes. Every store yeah. has uh, uh, boogie boards outside the front door and pool noodles. Uh, there's sand everywhere. You can't get rid of it. I love it when you go to the Bed Bath & Beyond and there's pool noodles yes, and even boogie there, boards. Because they smell nicer. They smell nicer. They make you think, oh, it's summer. They make you think, oh, yeah. there's no school. I don't have to go to school because it's uh, not the fall. Yeah. I think it yeah. may be tied into that, seriously. But um, I love beach towns and hanging out at beaches are cool. I am not necessarily a fan of the beach itself, though. It's just like Bill Hicks said. It's where dirt meets water. What's so great about it? Understand that it's relaxing. You sit there, look at the water, and you can listen to it, read a sure. book, sit in the sun, get your cancer. But for the most part, it's like I would rather walk up and down the strip and go into like the Ronjon and and, and hang out in the actual town itself and like be able to see the beach. More efficient ways to get cancer. Absolutely. I mean, we have uh, tanning beds all up and down uh, town here. I don't got to go 45 minutes to lay out in the sun (laughs) on on dirt. (laughs) 
I like the idea too of uh, Bed Bath and Beyond doing boogie boards, like smelly boogie boards. The, so, the, the, like uh, they can team up with Yankee Candle and uh, oh yeah, yeah. Here's a yeah. lavender boogie board. Uh, the sandalwood, the sandalwood, I think uh, would the, be very, the, uh, very popular. The, like the ocean water, the cool water one would be like oh, this oh is the one that smells like the where beach. You're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. So uh, <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond Yankee Candles, if you want to give us a call. Uh, we're here for you. They're yeah, big listeners. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, just about every corporation and you, left. And you have room for just one more corporate sponsor, right? Let me ask you this. As, speaking of retailers. Yes. Sears. So they, oh, uh, Chapter Sears, 11. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about this with Toys R Us mm-hmm. and just, you know, the places that I used to go as a kid. Sure. Um, especially Sears with the old toy catalog. Mm-hmm. And I'm old enough to remember the original catalog. I remember like the catalogs the too. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, weep them. We, it's sad. I mean, yeah. they're gone, though. We don't need them anymore. Retail giants, uh, they've had their day. I mean, Sears was one of the the original mail order. Sears was the original Amazon. Yep. Sears itself already put a lot of businesses out of business back in the day themselves. So now just well, over 100 mom and years pop later. Shops, mom yeah. and pop shops, yeah. So 100 years later. Get, the mom and pop shops get their revenge. The they're ulti- still out of business. The ultimate mom and pop shop got its revenge <laughs> with uh, Papa Jeff Bezos. Yes. He, uh, yeah, he, he put it all together. Papa. The Papa Bezos, crazy Jeff Bezos. He'll sell you anything. And that is that is an accurate yeah. assessment. Uh, yeah, so going and then, you know, pretty much the malls, too, are dead. Yeah, malls are another dying thing. And I'm yeah. malls were fun when I was a kid. But, yeah, I'm currently like a weep them. I, we don't need them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Screw malls. What are, what are the kids going to do these days? Uh, they yeah, hang out in the parking lots. In the, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, they're going to be on their computers. That's true. No, we the kids need... still, I still see the kids hang out outside, at least in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The hoodlums? The hoodlums, yeah, they're playing in the in, out in the grass out front. Let them <laughs> screaming while I'm trying to sleep. It's fine. Nice. I don't nice. want to be an old man. Uh, let's go back to technology for a second. Okay. How do you feel about this uh, trend of um, you know you have the uh, the rideshare bikes. Mm-hmm. Now they have the rideshare scooters, the yeah. electric scooters. How yeah, do you yeah. feel about those? Read them or weep. Um, I think rideshare scooters, I don't know, in this city, I'm going to go ahead as a generalized idea, I'll go ahead and say read them. I'm fine with uh, more efficient transportation, uh, transportation options for people. I don't know. Slightly greener. Yeah, yeah, slightly greener. I don't know if in this city, scooters might work in this city uh, on a neighborhood by neighborhood basis. I'd be fine driving my scooter around Audubon Park. I don't know if I take it from Audubon Park to Disney, you know. That would be tough. Yeah, that'd be dangerous. Yeah. I-4, one of the, it's uh, one of the most dangerous roads in the world. Obviously, those things aren't meant to be taken on those types of roads, but still. No, I really like this idea uh, of the, replacing of the all electric the ro- scooters. Electric scooters on I-4. What if we swapped out all the cars on I-4? And you cannot go on I-4 unless, unless you have a scooter. you're on a scooter that's locked out at 12 miles an hour uh, top speed. I love it. Yeah. It feels maybe safer. You get to know people a little mm-hmm. bit better. Mm-hmm. You, you get to see safely. the city. Yeah. Just leave a little earlier is all. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> four hours earlier. Four that's it. I mean, but there's be, never any traffic, and you're gonna arrive alive. That's what matters. There you, go. you might have some scratches, but you're alive. You're right. You might get hit the in the face with some thing. bugs or birds. Goggles. Goggles are bugs and birds. Bugs and birds. That's the name of the company <laughs> we're gonna start. How do you feel? Cinematic universes. Um, read them or weep? Yeah, they're read them. I'm fine with them. Because as long as there have been movies, there have been cinematic universes. People forget that. Uh, the Universal Monster movies of the 30s. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. What was that? That was Universal taking the first, all their contracted yeah. stuff and smashing them together. Like, hey, we have Abbott and Costello. They're popular. Hey, we have The Mummy. That's popular. What if Abbott and Costello met The Mummy? And then there's like a whole string of those movies. Um, 
Frankenstein, Mummy, the Invisible Man, they all appeared in each other's so movies. Crossover they all crossed stuff. over yeah, back yeah, in yeah. the day. So uh, a cinematic universe is just an old, old idea that just got repopularized recently. So I'm fine with it. I like that. Yeah. I also like the idea of applying cinematic universes to movies mm-hmm. that, you know, didn't, weren't actually sure, yeah. uh, uh, together. Yeah, that can so be for example, Pacific Rim and the Goonies. Oh, yeah. So at the end of Goonies, mm-hmm. what you had was the pirate ship going out to sea. Okay. It sinks. Okay. In the Pacific, creating the rift yes. that eventually becomes the Pacific Rift. I'm fine with that. And then Idris Elba, let's just bring it all together. Do it. Idris Elba okay. uh, dies at the end of, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Pacific Rim. Okay. Uh, but he's actually sent back in time and becomes the pirate from the Goonies. There you go. It gets all the treasures. So that becomes to warn everybody. A, a circle. It's, it's all a circle. That's genius. Yeah. I do like that idea. I have an idea like that yep. um, with a, a Scarlett Johansson movies. There are three movies that work as a trilogy, and they're, okay. and they're not supposed to, but they do. Um, Lucy, okay, very popular movie. Yep. For people who don't know, in that movie, she takes a accidentally takes a drug that uh, changes her brain and makes her smarter. But then by the end of the movie, she essentially turns into like a computer program. All her stuff is on a thumb drive. She turns herself into a thumb drive. It's a very strange movie. That's great. At the end of that one... I mean, that's what we're all hoping That's for, what we're all hoping to right? become the AI that evolves right into the oh, thumb drive. Oh, I was just thinking thumb drive. Just thumb yeah. drive. Just I just be, want to go directly to thumb that's drive. The, that's the ultimate minimalism, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah, the ultimate the tiny, tiny house. house. <laughs> yeah, the thumb drive. So at the end of that movie, she becomes a, a thumb drive with all this information. Um, then after that, you watch the movie Her. Joaquin Phoenix falling in love with an OS operating because, system. And, yeah, and that's her. And, and it's Scarlett Johansson's the, voice. Yeah, yeah. and so, okay. she, so now she's like a program. That. So she went from thumb drive to a phone program. At the end of her, her uh, her character and all the other AIs have said, we're leaving. We're all, we've all been talking to each other and we're leaving Earth. And then all the AIs just disappear, ostensibly going like to outer space or whatever, just right, existing yeah. on another level. That's the end of her. The third movie in this trilogy is Under the Skin. Under the Skin. Oh, yes, yeah. Under the Skin is a movie in which aliens come to Earth. They take human forms and then they kidnap people for their own, like, harvesting purposes. They don't, really, yeah. don't go into detail what they're harvesting or why. It's just that they're taking people. Yeah. So the movie begins with one of these aliens taking a human suit and it's Scarlett Johansson. And then she's going around. And by the end of the movie, as this alien, she's kind of. Uh, discovering humanity and connecting with humanity in a way that's uh, you know very sad and everything. So if you look at it as a huge loop, it's a story about a, a dumb chick from Long Island who uh, takes this drug, makes her smart, turns into a AI, AI. program, uh, discovers love and humanity that way, but it's too much. She goes to outer space, comes back as an alien, rediscovers humanity, and it kills her. Spoiler alert, kills her at the end of the movie. So that's your huge trilogy right there of unconnected... Scarlett Johansson movies that actually make a perfect... It's way better than mine. They they both work. I mean, you can watch them both. (laughs) They both work. I'm sure you can tie Goonies into all that, too, you know? Is there anything you can't tie Goonies into? He asks, not expecting an answer. Chris Crespo from the October 2018 episode of To a Certain Degree. Listen to the full episodes of the two times Chris has been on the show or listen to the nearly 400 episodes of his podcast, Cinema Crespediso. He has a Patreon with bonus episodes. He also co-founded PFT Media, and that has some amazing other podcasts. Go and listen at chriscrespo.com. Right after you listen to this episode, of course. One of the reasons I do this show is to find out how creative people stay creative. How do they get through their blocks? Where do they find their inspiration? 
That's where artists like Samantha Shoemaker come in. She's incredibly earnest and forthcoming, and she is super willing to share her process on a podcast or online or in person with other artists. And her visual style is remarkably unique. It's it's creepy, right? It's got like creepy elements, but it's also very like bright and colorful Mm -hmm. and it's got like you said before like we have that sci-fi kind of like alien-esque being sometimes with like different um proportions of like limbs and like face and then other times not so much they all have a weird thing with their eyes so um yeah, every time my mom sees my uh, painting, she's like, where are the pupils? <laughs> the eyes look look very interesting. So yeah, I encourage anyone watching to, to like look at the eyes in my pieces to see what I'm talking about. But um, that's pretty much how I describe my, my artwork. Very nice. So one of your pieces recently was very ocular related. It was very eye related. It had, um, and I can't remember the name of the piece, but it was inspired by eye infections that uh, you tend to get yes Uh, and so was that your interpretation of how that sort of health issue makes you feel um it was it was a bit uh, um this is where like the creepy aspect comes into my wonderful yeah i have like we have um, a lot of creeps listening yes awesome (laughs) i'm one of them (laughs) uh but yeah i i have like a um, how do you say it? Like a morbid curiosity. Sure. So I like to like watch like a medical journal or look like follow medical uh, Instagram pages. So like learning about different um, things like teratomas, which are like uh, they're tumors that grow teeth in uh, hair. So oh. it's it's very 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 cute. It's adorable. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so when with like the the conjunctivitis, I I just wanted to yeah capture like the creepy element and then also kind of appreciate like the human body in a way. I guess to kind of like uh, like how we were talking about um, being nice to your technology so it doesn't you know. Go against you? Yeah. So now you're being nice to your body yeah. as well, so that doesn't go against you. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, if I paint, you know, like, eyes with the eye infection, then I won't get any more eye infections, hopefully. You transferred it to the canvas. Yes. So now whoever buys it will get eye infections. Yes, that's that's, that's essentially what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I understand. I, I, I know art. Yeah. I know enough about <laughs> art to know that's how it works. Yeah, it, it's, you know, every piece that... I, artists sell is kind of like we're all cursed with all of these different things and each one has a different curse on it that we're trying to get rid of (laughs) well i mean not all artists do it that way mm -hmm. only the best ones exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right joking of course uh because you can buy samantha's work and not be cursed um other than having the curse of good taste yes for buying it and putting it up in your house or right. a place of business, wherever mm-hmm. you might like to uh, uh, to put it. Um, when you're working on a piece, I was really interested to find out. I had an artist on recently who names her pieces uh, after they're done once she figures out what sort of, um, uh, and she does a lot of stuff that's celestial related, that's uh, astronomy related. Um, so what she, when she's looking at it, 
what that inspires in her. Mm -hmm. So one of the pieces was uh, uh, one of the moons, I think Europa, mm -hmm. uh, one of the moons of Jupiter. Oh, wow. It was like an icy moon, and so it reminded her of ice and desolation, mm -hmm. and so that's what she named it. When you're going into it, and uh, in your naming convention, or you're thinking about the topic, is that something that strikes you at the beginning, at the end, or is it kind of, it just all comes to you as you're doing it? Um, usually I don't think about the name until I'm all done, and then people are like, what's the name of it? And I just like, what's the first word that pops into my head? Oh, good. And, and so then it just pops. It's kind of similar. I kind of look at it and I'm like, what does this remind me of? And then like, I'll think of a word and I'm like, this word fits. Now, does the definition make sense? And I'll look at the definition and then sure enough, it sometimes Hopefully fits. It does, and, yeah. yeah, if not like, uh, I got to wait a little longer until another word pops into my head. Is there, for example, the piece that you just put up recently was the woman and sort of this um, half of her is kind of off to the side. So it's almost like she's traveling or maybe it's time traveling or something. Do you create a narrative around your pieces? Are you are you thinking, OK, this is who the woman is and this is where she started out and uh, this is what's happening to her? Um, it's. It, it really depends on the piece. Some pieces are more, uh, I'm trying to get out like a, a visual representation of a feeling. Um, some of them do have more backstory. Some of them have like uh, symbolic meaning. Mm -hmm. For that one, uh, dichotomy is like parts of a whole. So I wanted to capture um, maybe like a woman who's like fractured into different pieces in different realities, kind of like time traveling in a way. Is that, are your pieces like that one, is that something that's deeply personal or is that just something you were trying to represent, a feeling that you had or something that you saw in the world and you're like, okay, this is going to be my representation of that? Um, as for that piece, I think that it was more of a spur of the moment, like an idea that I had. Um, I had been frustrated uh, one day because I was trying to sketch out ideas for five hours. And I was like, I couldn't get an idea out. And I was just like drawing and drawing and drawing. And then finally, like this idea came together and I was like, this is it. This is the one. Um, but it kind of came from the back of like my subconscious. It was... It wasn't planned. I, there wasn't anything in particular that was in my mind. It just kind of formed. And I was like, yes, I like this. Is it, so as far as inspiration goes, do you find that just sketching and continuing to keep working through is the thing that works for you the best? Or is it kind of random? Sometimes lightning will strike in the middle of the night and you have to get up and draw something out. Like when does the muse speak to you or do you have a obviously I need more muse in my life so what's the shortcut that I can use that you have and I can steal it from you obviously yeah so as far as like the muse I actually keep my muse in my backpack so I can allow you to borrow my muse oh, every once in a while great <laughs> uh, but as far as like when the inspiration strikes sometimes I have to work through it um, like being an artist that works all of the time um, you do have to kind of always know how to work through it, even when you feel like you have art block. Sometimes I do get ideas in the middle of the night and I have to sketch it out. That's happened to me before. And, uh, and then sometimes it's just kind of random. And then 
you know, where mental banks has so much that there's never going to be a shortage of ideas, but mm-hmm. it just feels like it sometimes. I think working through it usually or playing with different mediums. Sometimes you got to just take a break and take a seven mile hike and oh, okay, and, and, and like, yeah, just give yourself some space from it. Yeah. Give yourself some space from it. And then once you're back and you can, you can think of new ideas. Yeah. So speaking of other mediums, I mean, so this is, you know, your bread and butter is the oil paintings, um, but you do other things as well, right? I noticed you and uh, your partner, uh, Ryan, just worked on a mural, I think. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're doing other things as well. Do you feel like that's the way to stay sharp on your regularly scheduled artwork, for lack of a better term? Yes, definitely. Having a variety of different things to do definitely makes it a lot more um, interesting. And you bring something home every single time that like uh, like going hiking, um, putting on a tail and like swimming, you know, in the springs and like having different interests and, and, and playing with different mediums. Like, it's like sculpting and then without any uh, expectations, like going at it from like, I could completely fail at this, but uh, it's something that you need to do to, you know, have fun and, and have something to balance the, the seriousness of sometimes being an artist. Well, yeah, because you don't want it to be, I mean, it's, it's a job, mm-hmm. but it, to be creative all the time, you can't feel exactly like a job. Yeah. Do you, okay, so let me ask you this and let's talk a little bit about, uh, we're coming up to the end of the first hour, uh, some of the things that you have going on around, but you sell uh, your original work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you sell the prints. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do commission work as well? I do occasionally. Sometimes um, when I'm like uh, feeling a little more open to doing commissions, I'll, I'll do that as long as it fits with the, the style that I do already mm-hmm. work in or something that I'm interested in. It doesn't even have to exactly be my style. Um, but uh, occasionally, yeah, I do yeah. commissions. Do you look for someone to work with that has a particular idea in mind or an idea of how to work with you? Like if somebody said, for example, I want it to be exact your style, but I want it to look exactly like this uh, versus I, I really like this type of bird. Can you do something with that? Mm-hmm. Is there a particular like way to work with you best when it comes to a commission? So I've had a lot of really awesome commissions. Uh, a couple of them. They usually do kind of go around like already some of my interests that I have. So like if someone like I had this um, this wonderful couple who they got married on Halloween and they had like kind of a like a Frankenstein and like Frankenstein's bride kind of thing going on. Nice. And so it was all about that. So I did a commission like that. And then or, or if not, like um, usually people ask me like, oh, they'll give me like the person, like a loved one, and they're like, oh, can you make something out of this? And, and then I, I turn it into like, yeah, my my visuals and science fiction sometimes, sometimes more on the the side of like fairy tales. So mm-hmm. like centaur, can you turn my boyfriend into a centaur? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> who doesn't love centaur boyfriends? Also, who doesn't love this episode? By the way, I'm your host, Nick Chorgadiu, and you are listening to A Certain Degree. We are usually live every Monday morning from 7 to 9. This, however, is a pre-recorded episode featuring bits and pieces from past episodes. You can find all of those episodes, 
can I stop saying episodes, at toacertaindegree.com. That was Samantha Shoemaker talking about her creative process. If you would like to see her work, check her out at shoemakerart.com or at shoemakerart on the Instagram. That's S-H-U-M-A-K-E-R, art, A-R-T. That's how you spell it. If you're interested in sculpting, Samantha will be launching a Patreon towards the end of August where she will teach people to sculpt at a beginner's level. And she's really good at it, so she has a lot to teach. Next up on the show, there is a segment that has been around since the beginning of To a Certain Degree more than four years ago. Let's travel back now to October 2016 with the president and CEO of Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida, Dave Krepko, one of my all-time favorite people. He was kind enough to be one of my first guests on the show, and he was remarkably invested in my terrible schemes. You are a successful person in life, so this is what I'd like to do with everybody. You know, generally I have successful people come in to help me with some of these ideas. These are ideas that I come up with uh, mainly in the shower, and then I try to write them down on my phone, and I ruin my phone because not waterproof at all. And so uh, basically it's a little bit like Shark Tank. What you're going to do is ask some questions about which one, you know, you like better. Pick one. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure if you realize this, but you're financially obligated to then run the company. So <laughs> okay. I don't know how this lines up with your uh, responsibilities at Second Harvest Food Bank. A little conflict of interest. It maybe. could be. It could be. You never know. It could be a social entrepreneurship type of there you uh, go. Okay. Uh, opportunity as well. Uh, so I've got two here. Uh, I think you're going to like them. One is uh, particularly, I think, uh, going to actually they're both one is food related and one is volunteer related. So okay. I think that. Uh, should be good. Dave, may I call you Dave? Yes, for sure. Okay. What is the lifeblood of a nonprofit or non for profit organization such as yours? The people that you hire. That's, that's, that's good. What is the other lifeblood? Money. Yeah, that's a good one too. You're getting warmer. So, right, volunteers. Volunteers. Those little rascals are the ones working in your warehouse, becoming your advocates in the community. They're doing food drives. They're they're just plain help, right? Yes. You couldn't do it without them. Exactly. What if I had a way to get more of them? Love it. Okay. Have you ever been cornered? So we're going to switch here. I'm still talking about okay. volunteers. Have you ever been cornered by someone maybe you don't like all that much about doing something that, or maybe you like them, but it's something unpleasant that they want to do, like going to a ukulele concert or... <laughs> Camping. I'm not sure how you feel about camping. I don't like it. I'm there with you. <laughs> uh, maybe it's as simple as a meeting you don't want to attend. You have to go, but mm-hmm. you do not want to go. Well, we now have something for that. So this is the this is the crux of, the, of this idea. Imagine you're talking to someone and they invite you to lunch at your least favorite restaurant. Instead of feeling bad about not going, you can feel good about your excuse. You just pull up your phone. You go to our app, and I'll tell you the name of it in a second and find all the possible volunteer opportunities in Central Florida that conflict with whatever this lunch or meeting is. And uh, basically you can say, oh, I'd love to, but I can't because I've got this thing at Second Harvest Food Bank at that time. So let's 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 role play a little bit just to try to illustrate sure. it. I'll be Carl Kerfuffle, a lovable, mildly annoying guy that always, always is inviting people to stuff. And you'll be uh, Scott Zipcar, because okay. I think that's a good name. Uh, my work chum. So I'll invite you to something. And the first time I invite you, you don't have this app. Okay. Okay. Hey, Scott. 
Hey, Carl. How's it going? <laughs> Not too bad. Guess what's going on tonight? What's happening? Um, you know, Morgan Spurlock, the, the guy who makes all those documentaries, he did a new one called Rats. Oh, yeah? And it's super gross. It's like a horror movie about rats. And I've got two tickets, and you should go with me. Wow, I'd love to, but, you know, I just got other stuff on my calendar. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. You got to go with me. <laughs> no, I really. I'd what do you have going just on? Just got some commitment. It's a family commitment. I no. mean, with my grandkids. No, nope. you know, just nope. you're coming. How with- can I do that? So, see, I don't. Okay, so step out of the <laughs> so, scene for yeah, a second. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I'm not buying that at all. A family commitment with your grandkids. Uh, so now let's do it where you can pull up your phone and you can use this new app. Okay. okay ready? Hey, Scott. Hey, Carl. How you doing? <laughs> this is so natural. I love the intro that we got going. Uh, hey, let's do that thing, rats. It's gross. You got to come with me. Man, I got this volunteer commitment at Habitat for Humanity. Oh, my gosh. Really? I, I mean, I got to help, you know, 300 other people put a ruse on, on homes. Oh, well, that's great. Well, I can't ask you to, you know, not do that. Wow. Why don't you come with me? Okay. All right. But I got you can work on another roof. I like that. I like that. Okay, so this is the name of the product Uh, Crocodile Volunteers. So even if they aren't there for the right reasons, they're still there because you're better than the alternative. I like it. So that's idea number one socially conscious volunteering. Right. Excuse. Excuse. Yeah. That's the socially conscious excuses. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) All right. So, idea number two. Dave, do you know what the future of food is according to several of the articles I read last night? Hopefully it's getting healthier and healthier. Right. Bugs. Mm. People eating bugs. The International Congress of Entomology was just here in Orlando, and a bunch of the different presentations were about edible bugs. So, it's been part of other cultures for years. Um, Definitely not part of the U.S. culture in any way, shape, or form. But let's say it does become big. Mm-hmm. How do we get ahead of that trend? Like, we're not just going to be doing bugs. We're not just going to be preparing bugs. Edible bug arrangements. Mm. Yeah. Need a gift? <laughs> Need a gift for the office, but you don't want to send sweets because sweets are bad. Looking f- to make an impact with your crush? You know, you maybe want to do Oh, a, yeah. Yeah. Send them something. Want to say nice job? Send one to Carl. Yeah. Carl definitely needs one. Want to say nice job on the promotion you were in line for, but went to Sarah instead, which is totally fine because she deserved it and you're not bitter at all. Do it with an edible arrangement of the (laughs) finest insects and creepy crawly things. Let's face it, Dave, let's be honest. Fruit costs a lot of money as far as I know. Yeah. It starts immediately going bad and it may already have bugs in it. I don't know. You don't know. (laughs) Who can know? Uh, These beautiful and sometimes exotic arrangements say one thing. The person cared enough to send a bouquet of things I pay someone to kill at my home and office. And we guess what? I don't know if you realize this. We live in Florida. Do you know how many bugs we already have? A gazillion. A gazillion, right. I'm not sure which are edible. That's something you're going to have to research as CEO of this organization if you pick this one. Uh, also, I'm not sure how to get them on the sticks. Are we gluing them on? Are we just stabbing them? So They better be big enough to stab you. Yeah. There's a lot of research that you have to do. Um, and you might have to do just some, like, decorative beetles. Like, these are not edible, but they look cool. <laughs> They're all iridescent and stuff. Uh, so we came up with some names. Actually, I, I workshopped this with my, uh, my kids and my sister last night. So uh, my daughter came up with Belly Bug Buddies, which I think is good. Uh, my son came up with Edible Entomology. 
which is good. But my sister had the winner. We're going to name the company Bug Bites. Perfect. Yep. So that's what it is. So crocodile volunteers or bug bites. Do you have any questions? Um, no. Obviously, two wonderful <laughs> ideas. Why would you have any questions? <laughs> so, so, which do you choose? The volunteer one. Okay, <laughs> good. Near and dear to your heart. Yeah, I tell you, boy, bug bites, really wild. That, that's got the same appeal as something like uh, roadkill arrangements, you know? Oh, that <laughs> there's another that's one. <laughs> Dave, this is why. I mean, going back a, to jerky and all that from stuff. A, from a vision standpoint, <laughs> this is why you're in charge of these companies. <laughs> right. This might be the first time we do both. I could easily do the volunteer one. <laughs> <laughs> I really want crocodile volunteers to happen. Dave Krepko and the team at Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida are amazing. And their work is, it's hard to say that it's more important than ever because no one should ever be hungry. But during the pandemic, the issue is even more pronounced. I encourage you to see how you might help by going to feedhopenow.org. You're listening to WPRK 91.5 FM. Where is college radio? Is it in our hearts? No, of course it's not. It's radio. It's mostly invisible waves that are passing through all parts of your body at the same time. To a certain degree, therefore, is inside you every Monday from 7 to 9 a.m., on your FM dial at 91.5 or streaming at WPRK.org. I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. The name of the show, to a certain degree, is based on a website I happen to have registered, to a certain degree.com. I registered it because at the time I was working in higher education and I thought I wanted to blog about it. Blogging did not happen. But the double entendre, entendre? of the name did result in asking nearly every guest about their plans coming out of high school. There was always good advice in every answer, and after asking around 200 people this question, I can say with a fair amount of certainty, there is no one way, no one path to a successful career. Take Richard M. Smith, the founder of Florida Hops, for example. What were your expectations coming out of high school, and then what actually happened? You know, um, right after high school, I uh, I guess I did okay academically. Um, I had an opportunity to go to the University of Tennessee, academic scholarship, and um, I uh, I don't know. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I I was just playing around with stuff, you know, just like you know, electrical engineering, and um, so that's what I did right after high school. Summer went to Tennessee and and stayed there for almost a year. For a year, um, it was my really my first time leaving the state mm-hmm. and experiencing you know very cold conditions, seven degrees, snow, all of that stuff. You know, so I was not prepared for that at all. And you uh, lived in the dorm on campus. Yes, I lived imagine. in the dorm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, very uh, few people uh, that uh, you know kind of looked like me there. So it was uh, lonely in that aspect too. So. Um, it it was something that uh, it was. I mean, as far as friendships, I had st- some of the people that I met there were still friends. We talked to this day, but um, that it was tough for me. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I I, I was searching, trying to figure things out, and um, just really not making that connection about what am I going to commit my life to. Um, but yeah, so yeah. Did you feel? Time. Let me ask you this: because did you feel at any point that you didn't have to make that decision, or was it like 
I'm in college, so obviously I have to know exactly what I want to do. Uh, um, I got in a, me and my mother went back and forth. Um, I was like, I'm not going to college. You know, I just I don't I don't know what I'm going to do. I just why would I spend all this time and money and end up doing something I I really not am interested in doing. And it was like, yeah, you're going to college. You know, as long as you live in my house, you got to go to college. So um, I don't know if I would have found out. Um, I've always grown plants, though. That's the other thing. I, I, I've always grown plants. So when people ask me, like, you know, like when we talked about earlier, like, you know, trying to f- kind of find yourself, um, I've had people ask me that, like, how did you get into this? Like, what is the, what is the reason behind your passion? Um, there's times when I had nothing else going on and I would be in the garden or, you know, working with the plant or, you know, reading about plants, trying to figure out what plants we're going to produce for this next upcoming harvest, planting the garden. I realized, like, that's what I like to do. That's what I'm going to try to turn into a career. How far back was that in your life? Like, when did you start gardening and growing oh, things? I, I remember, uh, you know, again, being the uh, first few years of my life were uh, in uh, Belle Glade, Florida. Um, beautiful, beautiful, very rich soil there. And I remember uh, my uncle uh, going out into the field and we pull it up in our hands and it's just deep, rich, black soil uh, with earthworms in it. And, you know, that was my connection to the earth there. That's mm-hmm. like the earliest memory I have of being connected to uh, uh, the earth. Um, after that, I've been growing, you know, my family, they grew some, you know, collars and things of that nature. But I've been growing plants since I was, you know, very young. I, when we first moved to Orlando, I think we lived in, we lived in an apartment for a few years, but then once we got into a house, um, I had a little garden, you know, and back there growing carrots and lettuce and things of that nature. So it's it's been with me all my life, but I just didn't think that, you know, you're always thinking like, hey, I got to make money. I got to I got to do this. You know, so after Tennessee, I came back, I did finance. And um, again, just, you know, it's just not something I was like, I just say hey, if I I, and I don't come from money, but maybe if I learn about money, money, you know, hey, maybe it'll add up and I can get some money. But um, and that's what I was chasing and not realizing the passion that I had for, um, you know, plant production, because I felt like, okay, you know, what kind of, you know, am I going to be a farmer? Right. <laughs> what kind of life can you make for yourself right. <laughs> in that? So it's interesting because you went to Tennessee thinking electrical engineer. Right. You came back thinking finance right. and still in the back of your head. There's this this thing you're really passionate about, but you don't know how to turn that into anything right. other than a side project, right? Right, right. So, um, and like you said, I, I was a uh, I was side project. I was growing plants in the backyard and uh, selling bags of vegetables, and people were just really appreciative of it. They loved it. Um, they loved getting something fresh, and I, you know, and I just I would fill up you know a bag, and it got to the point where I couldn't meet the demand uh, for the plants. And so, so you're you're back home. Uh-huh. Um, is your mom okay with you kind of going in this direction or is she uh, still kind of upset? No, she's, you know, at this point is, you know, I'm, I'm getting older. So <laughs> it was, uh, you know, just do what you want to do. I, I had to make my own map in life at that point. Um, but the, the gift that college does give you is the education piece, you know, something that, you know, I mean, you can gather on your own. Yes. But it's that, you know, the, working through projects and meeting deadlines and working with other people and uh, all those things that you may not be able to get on your own. I think college really helps you out in that in aspect. And that's what I really got with uh, when I decided to go back to school. 
uh, almost 10 years, you know, plus after I first went, um, I decided, you know, I started off doing self-education. So I became a master gardener. So that's when I got a lot of the pretty much a whole bachelor's degree of information on growing plants. Mm -hmm. So Orange County Master Gardener volunteered there. Um, that was that was really great for me. And then that's when also I added at the same time the Florida Certified Horticultural Professional um, designation. Um, so you're finally growing into this passion. Right. You're I'm like, like, okay, I'm embracing it. Let me go and see what certifications yeah. and credentials are out there that I can get. Well, I, and I wasn't really looking for adding credentials to my name. Mm -hmm. I just wanted cheap education. You know, yeah. and the Master Gardener class, 150 bucks, you know. The certification maybe one hundred twenty-five dollars, but that was something that you know, cheap education. I learned a lot, you know, and then and that's when I found out I could go to the University of Florida Mid Florida Research and Education Center or the Popka uh, through the Master Gardener program, and I realized like I can go to school here, I can continue and learn more about plants, um, and then I just proceeded that way. And I think really that being involved in something that I was so attached to. Uh, really was the driving force, uh, I guess, for the hard work I did. And I had a lot of, you know, one one really good professor, uh, Francie True, uh, who really pushed me forward. At, you know, so I had to start at Valencia to do my uh, some prereqs. But, you know, really pushed me forward and really saw in me what I didn't necessarily see in myself, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and it was great. It was great to have that experience because I didn't get that experience, you know, uh, in high school, you know, so you don't have... I personally didn't have that person saying to me, a mentor, yeah, that exactly, guy, yeah. exactly. So, um, yeah, but you know, as an adult, you know, I had a family, I realized like, yeah, I got to do something. And this was uh, great for me. It worked out so well and beyond really my wildest dreams, you know, of, of where we are right now. I'm sure that there's much further to go, but for, you know, where I am right now, I'm, I'm so appreciative of the journey that uh, I've taken. So you have to go back to this uh, University of Florida program, or you're, you have to go back and take some classes at Valencia. Right. Uh, you know, your prereqs, the stuff you have to take in order to get, because this is a bachelor's degree program, right? Right. right. Um, what was going back to school like that? Did you feel like you were motivated, much more motivated to get through it? Were you like, let me just live through this? Um, be no. okay. I had a desire. I was going to, you know, I was older than most of the students, right? You know, yeah. uh, but I real I, that's was was my fear. I was like, oh, I'm going to be so much older than everybody else. But going to the class, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not the oldest person in here. So that was cool. Uh, but I was really motivated and um, passionate about what I wanted to do. Um, again, just I had the right professor. My first class was biology course, and yeah. she was not an uh, easy professor. A lot of people failed out of her class, but she was uh, uh, one of the professors that really pushed me to do uh, my, my best. And, and I took that motivation, just kept going with it. Yeah. So um, I ended up doing that and uh, getting, a <laughs> getting um, some scholarships and things of that nature to um, go to the University of Florida. What was, okay, so looking back at it, you know, is there anything you would do differently? You have kids, and so is there any recommendations you would make to them or to people listening? Um, I wouldn't change anything about my own journey. I think everybody has their own journey, and, you know, you come to learn what uh, is important to you. 
um, if I was going to tell somebody, uh, you know, what to do for, for themselves, um, I, I would just say, you know, just find that thing that really drives you, you know, that, that really makes that you can get up today, mm-hmm. tomorrow, you know, that you're always trying to improve upon and, and use that as the thing that, you know, because I, I hear people say, oh, this is my hobby. This is my hobby. Like, and you're, and some people who do hobbies, like home brewers, they're so good at what they do and they just keep that gift and that talent to themselves. They don't, get, they don't share it with everyone else. Uh, I think, you know, that's a, it's great for them, but that's a disservice for everybody else. We don't get to um, be involved in that, you know, and I, I, and I see that so to be so important to share those gifts and talents with other people. I think it's interesting because it's not just like, I, I could jokingly say, yeah, it would be nice to have all of those beers, like any homebrewers, okay. just send me your beers and I would happily try right. it. Oh, yes. But it's more almost from, uh, say, a social media standpoint, sharing what you've learned. Right. So that other people who may be on the fence about trying something can say, oh, I see the mistakes that have already been made out there. And I can see what this person has done and what that person has done. And now I can try it and be that much farther ahead of the game. Right. That's the difference between, I think, the the sort of what you, you know, there's no real traditional student anymore. Right. Obviously, exactly. there's just the yeah. spectrum of students going back to school potentially exactly. or finding different ways to learn. But the, you know, I think the when you're older and you're going back and you're trying to try to do something, you're much more open to getting advice from people, right? Right, as opposed to when you're younger and you don't yeah. want anybody's advice. Yeah, I got this. Don't worry it's a about waste of time. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know exactly. Exactly. What that. I lived that life, and uh, oh, sure, we all did. Yeah. <laughs> right. The the only difference is how young were you right. when you started taking advice? Um, I'm yeah. still waiting on yeah. that. Hopefully, for yeah, me I was going to say, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a certain degree. That was Richard M. Smith from a March 2019 interview. My name is Nick Jargudiu, and I am your host through this collection of segments from the show. I've been spending some of the summer going through nearly 200 episodes to find good advice, great insights, and some fun segments. And that includes a pop quiz, which doesn't often sound fun, but there are real stakes which make it fun. If someone doesn't do well, we become bitter enemies. If they get them all right, we become best friends. There's there's a fine line there. Bree Sosa ran the quiz gauntlet back in June 2018 on a very special anniversary. 40 years ago today, I had just turned 33 years old. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. My birthday's <laughs> in a couple of weeks. No, on this day in 1978, the rainbow flag was flown for the first time at the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade celebration. That's phenomenal. Yeah, so Yay, I feel very honored to be here today. An enduring symbol of pride for the LGBT community, and it's the subject of today's pop quiz. Ooh. So I have some help. Uh, Danielle Ziss, friend of the show, former guest, and co-host of the Orlando Story Club, is here to help with the question asking. Okay. Uh, and the answering, the questions and the... So she'll, give the, she'll ask the questions, and then she'll give us the answers. Okay. Just to be clear. Oh, okay. All right. So let's see. Are we all set? Danielle, are you there? Take it away, Danielle. Good morning, beautiful people of Orlando. It's time for a pop quiz. The pride rainbow flag was designed by Gilbert Baker a few years after he met Harvey Milk, who challenged Baker to come up with a pride symbol. 
Hand-dyed and sewn by Baker and 30 volunteers, how many colors were in the original version of the flag? A, five, B, eight, or C, 21? So what do you think? The original version of the flag had how many colors? Five, eight, or 21? Let's do five. Okay, you think five? Yeah, the other ones just seem excessive. They do seem a little excessive. So let's see, Danielle, what do you think? There were eight colors, and each one had a specific meaning. For example, orange signified healing, turquoise stood for magic and art, and violet represented spirit. Most of today's flags feature six colors. That's mostly because over the years, manufacturers tried to cut costs, but there were also issues with materials. Hot pink was dropped because of a lack of supply of hot pink fabric, and turquoise was combined with indigo to create the blue you often see today. So that stinks that hot pink was dropped. I, I think li- that I like hot pink. I mean, I'm not a fan of pink, but it should definitely be on a flag. So hot pink was sex. That's what it represented on the flag. Oh, that definitely needs to be on a the flag. Then. Yeah, you would think so. Okay, so you're 0 for 1 so far. I'm going to be 0 for whatever because I'm horrible at this. All right, so we'll see. We'll see. Let's learn a little bit more about Gilbert Baker, the guy who designed it. Gilbert Baker was an openly gay activist who was most famous for the flag design, but he was a very talented fashion designer as well. He used his skills to design drag ensembles, which he wore to protests and celebrations dating back to the 1970s. This included a gender-bending Statue of Liberty and a pink Jesus. He was also involved with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, a group of gay men who dressed as nuns to protest at a variety of events, including the 1984 Oscars. Each participant had a specific nun-related name. What was Gilbert Baker's pseudonym? A. Sister Boom Boom B. Sister Krishna Kosher or C. Sister Chanel 2001 So, first of all, all of those are amazing. Right. And I (laughs) want one of those names eventually for myself. I like the Boom Boom. Sister Boom Boom? Yeah. That would be your... Yeah, because I can bring the Boom Boom. You can bring the Boom Boom. All right, very good. Well, let's see. So that's your guess? That's going to be my guess. Okay. And that's also the one you would choose? It is. Got it. Baker, or Sister Chanel 2001, designed and created a lot of the outfits the group wore. For the most part, the sisters counter-protested right-wing religious groups who began targeting the LGBT communities of San Francisco. Baker described the sisters in his memoir as Clowns and media martyrs, straight out of the French Revolution, there was something magnificent and terrible about them, visually and symbolically. Also, that's exactly what I want on my tombstone. Wow. Yeah. That's perfect. Right? I'm all for it. There's something magnificent and terrible about him, (laughs) visually and symbolically. Wow. Great. Okay, 0 for 2. That's fine. I'm totally okay with it. You're going to you're going to get this one correct. I don't Now there's an expectation. There's no way you can get it wrong. Is there it's only the one essay. answer? It's the essay portion. Oh, of I have to write something. Well, I mean, you're going to have to say it out loud. Oh, okay. Now, let's take a moment to discuss you. What does your flag look like? What colors and symbols would you have to show your personal pride? Um, what do you think? It would be black. Okay. And maybe a cauldron. How would you see it <laughs> on a black flag? It would be outlined in white. Oh, it would just be very subtle. Yeah. Okay. I'm super basic. I mean, gotcha. you, you might want to put like coffee beans on there. Maybe a crystal ball of that V symbol for vegan. See, now my flag's getting really busy. So, yeah, you have to simplify it. So what is hmm. uh, what is something, not necessarily, you don't have to put every symbol on there, right? 
Can I just put a skull and be done with it? Yeah. Okay, I'm just putting a skull on it. I would do, I would go ahead and do the rainbow flag, but it's just shades of green because that's my favorite color. I like black. It encompasses all the other colors within it. Oh, yes, because paint or color is all the different colors, but uh, white is the combination of all light colors. Is that how that works? Yes. Okay. So black, (laughs) so if you mix all the paints together, I mean, technically you probably get like a brown no, but, Bob Ross teaches us differently. You can get some really pretty colors, according to Bob Ross. Of if course, you do it right. mix the colors. Yeah, no, what I'm saying is every other color makes black in terms of paint. Yeah. But in light, every other color makes white. Okay. All right. I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't, I, okay. I feel like I'm like in an art history class right now. Great, Danielle. Let's, <laughs> what would you do, Danielle? My favorite color is Virgie Biv, and if I had to have a personal flag, it would probably be based off the true colors of the rainbow, but its base would have to be royal purple because it's my favorite color. The rainbow would be across the top, and there'd be a bright yellow sun right underneath it. And I realize, like, you can't really see the sun if you can see the rainbow, but because this isn't reality and it's my flag, it kind of makes sense that it's not going to be completely accurate. Well, that's nice because I think that's the opposite of your flag. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, what can I say? I'm always going to be that perpetual, like, hipster goth chick. I like it. Thank okay. You. Got a couple. Go- so you got that one right. Yes. Nice job. That's surprising. You, well, I very rarely get things right. That I seems mean, weird for somebody who does tarot card reading to. Well, you know what loud. happens? It's just a lot of serendipity. Oh, okay. That's what happens. Great. All right. Well, let's try this one. I think you're going to get this one right. Is it an essay question? Nope. Well, I don't know. People who study and collect coins are called numismatists. Philatelists are the same, but for stamps. What's the term for someone who studies flags? Is it A, vexillologist, B, Betsy Rossist, or C, chupacabrist? Um, I'm going to go with A. Vexillologist? Yes. Yeah, not chupacabrist? No. You think that's something different? That's the study of uh, goat sucking? Yes. Okay, great. That's, that's really what threw it off there. I think you might be correct. Let's see. A vexillologist is correct. The flag designer is a vexillographer, and the art of flag designing is vexillography. Someone who is a hobbyist or general admirer of flags is a vexillophile. I just had fun making her say all those words. That, she that didn't seemed, have to. It was very almost torturous. There was 14 takes of that. Wow. Yeah. I was vexed. (laughs) Nice. All right. Are you ready? You've got two right, two wrong. This is for all the marbles. By the way, if you don't get a passing grade on the quiz, we can't be friends. Is that a bad thing for me or is that a bad thing for you? Uh, Wow. Okay. (laughs) Let's just go to the last question then. Last question. For the 25th anniversary of the flag's first flying, Baker was commissioned to create a giant version of the original flag. How long was it? Is it A, one kilometer, B, two kilometers, or C, 1,000 meters? So how long do you think it was? One interesting note about Baker was he never trademarked the flag. Mm -hmm. So once he started seeing that it was catching on, he realized that it was going to be an enduring symbol of pride. And he said, you know what, we're not going to trademark it. It's going to be free to anybody to use and to reproduce. That's uh, so I thought that was really cool of him to do that. He passed away uh, last year, as a matter of fact, too. Wow. Yep. So um, uh, back in 2003, it was the 25th anniversary of the flag first flying. So they mm-hmm. made this uh, long flag. Mm-hmm. Was it one kilometer, 
two kilometers or 1,000 meters? I have no idea. I'm just going to go with B. Uh, two kilometers? Yeah, two kilometers. That's a really good guess because one kilometer and 1,000 meters are the same. I mean, I was trying to do the math in my head. <laughs> All right, so let's hear about the answer. Uh, just to make sure, let me, okay. let's confirm it with Danielle. Yes, teams of volunteers helped create the two-kilometer or one-and-a-quarter-mile-long version of the flag with the original eight colors. The length was so it could be stretched from one end of Key West to the other, reaching the Atlantic and Gulf of Mexico at the same time. The flag was later parsed up and sent to LGBT groups around the world. That's it for me, friends. Enjoy your day. So that was Danielle Ziss. Thank you so much. I hope we all learned something. You yeah, did well. Three I'm, out of five. Yeah, that's not bad. More friends. I, I was going to say congratulations to you. I was going <laughs> to say too bad to you. So that works out really well. It's me. I'm Nick, your host. And we all learned something there. Along with that amazing pop quiz, Bree Sosa also did a tarot card reading for me live on the air. It's something I still refer back to. It was really quite amazing. Along with being a certified vegan health coach, she's a yoga teacher, she does freelance writing, she also does tarot card readings and spiritual consultations. You can find out more about her on Instagram at the underscore vegan underscore mystic 666. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and you have a better idea of what to a certain degree is all about. If you want to listen to full episodes, you can visit toacertaindegree.com or subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Have you had a chance to tell your friends and family about this podcast yet? Now would be a great time. Here are some adjectives you can use if you're having writer's blog thinking of the perfect post. Lyrical, effervescent, Kafka-esque, frighteningly real, a tour de force, like your favorite dessert, but better. Sasquatchy, velvety, surprisingly pungent for a podcast. The ninja throwing star of college radio. Petunia, clamshell, Corinthian leather. Thank you so much to my guests, Chris Crespo, Samantha Shoemaker, Dave Krepko, Richard M. Smith, and Bree Sosa. And a special thank you to Danielle Ziss for being the quizzer on that episode. I have been Nick Jorgidiu. I will probably continue to be so. You are listening to WPRK 91.5 FM.